0: A couple of weeks ago, just a few days into the new year, a snowstorm hit the northeastern United States. It was a big one, about a foot of snow over the course of a morning. And this is the sort of storm that can cause real trouble, even in a place that's used to lots of snowfall. And that is just what it did for hundreds of people who were traveling on the highway that morning. Interstate 95 is one of the main highways running along the East Coast. And this storm brought a large section in Virginia, miles from any town, to a standstill that Monday morning. Multiple cars had run off the road, exit ramps were buried in snow, and plows were unable to get through. So the traffic just stopped. I grew up in a place that gets lots of snow, so I can sort of picture the scene, I think. At first, you put the car in park and you turn up the radio and expect that this is all going to clear up in a few minutes. But in this situation, the minutes kept ticking by and became an hour, and then two, and then five, and then it became clear this was serious. Hundreds of people spent that Monday night in their cars on the highway, turning their engines on for a little while to warm things up and then back off again so they wouldn't waste all their gas. Some had brought snacks with them by chance. Others were nearing 24 hours or more without anything to eat by the time the sun came up on Tuesday morning, and there was still no sign of things clearing up. That morning, a young couple woke up in their car, tired and hungry and grumpy like everybody else, and searching for something, anything to do, they noticed that there was a truck from a bakery parked about hundred meters in front of them on the highway. They knew it was a long shot, but they called the phone number that was on the side of the truck and left a voicemail with the office. And 20 minutes later they got a call back from one of the owners of the bakery who offered the contents of the truck immediately. The couple could have gone up and grabbed some bread for themselves and headed back to their car. That would have been pretty understandable, I think. They were hungry, It was cold. The highway was frozen. But that's not what they did. Along with the driver of the truck, they spent the morning walking as far as they could manage, handing out loaves of bread to others who were stranded on the highway. It wasn't much. A couple of loaves for each car. But in that situation, on this ice and snow-covered highway, it was a feast and a moment of togetherness after this long night of isolation. I like that story a lot. I like it for its picture of kindness and generosity and community and I particularly like it right now. I think it's a story for this moment. We are in the middle of our second straight pandemic winter and we have been in this mess for long enough to know that winter is particularly hard. It's cold and gray outside, most of the time here in Geneva, cases are high, gathering with others is difficult or impossible, so we do what we have learned to do over these past years. We hunker down, we keep our distance, we keep to ourselves, we stay more or less in our homes and in our bubbles, we isolate. We've been in this mess long enough to know that this approach works. Limiting our contact with groups of people really does make a difference in keeping us and those around us healthy. Physical distancing is one of the most powerful tools we have in the fight against this virus. That's right, and we do need to keep it up. The problem is, as we've learned, that along with physical distancing, we usually end up bringing social distancing as well. We tend to isolate ourselves socially, cut off from our neighbors, and cut off from our community. So we are all sort of out there on the highway, stuck in our individual cars, cold and hungry and seemingly alone. We may get through the night that way, but this is not really how we are meant to live. Paul would agree. We have dropped into the middle today of uh, Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. You probably know this is a very contextually specific book. Paul knows this church in Corinth well. He knows the struggles they're going through, the concerns they're facing. So, this letter is not sort of some abstract theological argument, but really part of an ongoing conversation between a leader and a community that he knows and loves. Our section today takes up a topic that's clearly alive for the Corinthians at this particular moment. From other parts of the letter, we learn that some in this church are speaking in tongues, caught up in ecstatic speech in worship. The congregation understands this phenomenon as a big expression of the Spirit's power, and everybody's clearly impressed with those who are displaying it. Maybe these folks are more in tune with the Spirit than the rest of us, they wonder. Maybe they should be given special honor in the community and held up as the people who really are true believers. So what do you say, Paul? That particular question may not be our question today. In fact, it probably isn't our question today. But Paul's response speaks powerfully into this moment nonetheless. He doesn't simply address that topic of ecstatic speech, but speaks much more broadly about the role of the spirit in our lives he speaks about the spirit's gifts and the first thing he says is that you are gifted by the spirit all of you at the very start of this letter he says this to the community as a whole i give thanks to my god always for you because of the grace of god that's been given you in christ jesus for in every way you have been enriched in him So that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says more or less the same thing at the start of our passage today. If you are part of this gathering of people who claim Jesus as Lord, as the highest authority in our lives, then the Spirit is with you. You won't have all the same gifts, but you have what you need, he says. You are not lacking in the Spirit, you are gifted. That's the first thing he says. The spirit is all around, present in each one of you. Second, he says the various gifts are all of equal value. There's no hierarchy here with the most visible and impressive ones at the top and the more quiet and ordinary ones at the bottom. No, all are necessary, all are of equal value. And the third thing he says is this, the gifts are not for you alone. All those points that Paul makes are significant. All of them are beautiful and radical in their own way. But it's that third one that particularly struck me this week. Yes, you are gifted, and your gifts are not for you alone. Paul says it this way, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Isn't that a lovely phrase? It says that while each of us is gifted, none of us has the complete package all by ourselves. None of us has all the gifts the Spirit offers. Paul rattles off this whole list of good things poured out by the Spirit. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, interpretation. An individual might have one of those, but she certainly doesn't have all of them. So we need one another. We need the healers and the teachers. We need the prophets and the elders. We need the optimists and the realists. We need the dreamers and the doers. We need the poets and the accountants. We need the solution finders and the bread truck drivers. We need all the spirit's many gifts and we find them in one another. That is finally what the Spirit's gifts are for, Paul says. They're not for keeping to yourself, they're not for hoarding, and they're certainly not for creating new hierarchies and divisions. They are for offering to others. They are for building up the community. Which brings us back to today, to all of us stuck in our individual cars on the snowy highway of January, 2022. Here in our second pandemic winter, it is so easy to isolate, to hole up, and to lose contact with one another. But friends, that is not how we're meant to live. We are people gifted by the Spirit, and we are meant to be offering those gifts for the common good. We're meant to be sharing with one another, and serving one another, and taking care of our neighbors together. In this strange time with lots more distance than we'd like, even now, you still can. You can still pick up the phone and call someone you haven't heard from in a while. You can still serve in a ministry team. You can still sing in the choir. You can still join in a study group. You can still prepare meals for the soup kitchen. You can still listen to the tugging in your own heart that urge to offer some part of yourself to build up the community, you can still dream up some new way to serve that we haven't discovered yet. Winters are just the worst in a pandemic. We have learned that now, but we have also learned that being in the midst of these months that are cold and with more distance than we'd like, we can still stay connected. We can still listen to the voice of the spirit reminding us that we are part of a community, that we are bound to one another, and that our gifts are meant to be shared, that they only find their true purpose, in fact, when they are offered for others. So let's keep offering this winter, because in the presence of the Spirit, there is enough. Like a truck full of bread on a frozen highway, there are gifts all around us, just waiting to be shared.